I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and where is that water coming from? And my name is Colin Drucker, and to also quote Bailey, all right, Mary. <laughs> she does say at one point. Oh my gosh, she does. <laughs> so many things. So many things to say about Mary. So many things to say about Mary. And uh, and indeed, where is that water coming from? I mean, I think that's a great opening in talking about yeah. this episode and really this episode and next week's episode because we're kind of uh, in the first leg of a two-parter here. We are... Uh, Jumping slightly ahead in the early days of Grey's Anatomy to discuss the BSAs, uh, as well as all of the goops, gags, and pearl-clutching moments of the two-part season six finale, which you may recognize as the active shooter episodes. This gave me a lot of anxiety (laughs) watching this. (laughs) I remember, like, because I was talking to Keon, and he was like, are you going to do that episode? I was like, oh, God, I hope not. Only for the sake of, like... I do think, I mean, I think everyone has a fear of acting active shooters and it is like such a problem in the States and it's, it's terrifying, but I have a lot of anxiety around it and like fear. Like I have my recurring nightmare that I have is about an active shooter. I'm, I always get away, but, um, I had to watch this in like 15 minute increments because I was (laughs) really stressed out and it's no one's fault. Like I could have easily said like. No, I can't do that. But I, I wanted to challenge myself, and it, I almost read like a recap on the entire episode before I watched it, and I was like, "All right, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this." And really, the biggest piece of thing, I didn't know who got shot, and I, I think I was so nervous about when it was actually going to begin, like who's the first person to get shot, and in a way. It was sort of like how I felt. I said this to you in a text, like hereditary level of excitement. I know that I'm going to be terrified, but I know there's some great lady acting. It is. And I, I, yeah. So, of course, this was never part of the original plan. And, you know, we kind of had a, a, I had an original list of suggestions and then they kind of each were changing as I was watching the episodes. And I was like, I just don't know if there's a show here, you know? And then I jumped ahead to, and watched you know season six episode one which i mean I, it can't be a spoiler spoiler at this point but george dies at the end of season five getting hit by a bus trying to yeah. save somebody else and then see the end, beginning of season six is them kind of dealing with the immediate aftermath uh you know uh what's her name deborah monk plays his mother i mean yes. martha plimpton starts a multi-episode arc as the mother of a sick kid 
and everybody's acting, everybody's crying. Ever, there's so many moments. It's a great episode, and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to give us a lot to work with. And then I was, and I remembered that one of our listeners, who's a, one of our Patreons, and who's also a Mary as well, Ethan, had yes. mentioned, oh, and season six finale, Sandra O oh is you know just changes the face of acting. I think he said. So I thought, well, don't threaten me with a good time. So I kind of went to watch it and then realized, oh, there's a two-parter here. So then I bumped back to Sanctuary, which is the episode we're discussing today. And I thought, well, let's see what happens. And, you know, all the reviews are saying, oh, this is a heartbreaking episode. And and at this point, the BSAs of the early days of Greys are really just like the episodes themselves that are best supporting actresses of the series. Yeah. You know, Uh, it's been about these iconic episodes with lady acting within them, you know? And yeah, this just seemed like the Olivia Coleman of Grey's Anatomy episodes. And so I watched part one. I watched Sanctuary and I was incredibly stressed out. And exactly what you were saying, I didn't know who was going to get shot or when, but I knew that characters were going to die this, this episode that were, you know, longer running characters. And I think I texted you right after and I was like, oh, Let's do this and let's do them both. And then I watched the second one. And I don't know if you've watched the the four the the finale yet, the second episode. But I have not. I could I barely got through this. I one. think it's but I, I think it's yeah. slightly less stressful. Okay. But like way more lady acting. Like oh the lady acting. It's so good. Is that like the Sandra O oh that Ethan was talking about? Yes. Even though she's great in this first half, like I will say, but okay. So it's there's... all in the next episode. That's also where Bailey goes to a fucking 27. Oh, I can't wait. So we're really kind of, this episode is necessary to set us up for next week. But I found that the stress that you're talking about of like, who's going to get shot and when is resu- you don't have that anxiety in the second episode. It, it, we're further along in kind of the what happens. The aftermath. Yeah, yeah. It's still in the moment, but it's... Um, yeah, he's not out of the hospital yet. No, like, no. Until that guy's... But it's not that same Ugh. feeling of like, you know, oh God, at any moment someone... It's not that same feeling you get watching like a Martin Scorsese movie, like watching Casino or Goodfellas, where at any moment yes. someone could get killed. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I just that. I never did. But it, it is... It is worth it for the for the for these women. Yeah, yeah, and really having watched both episodes, I just was like, "Damn, this was like a a crazy little feature film. This little eighty minute movie that had so many characters and so many little plots and so many dramatic dilemmas." And I, you know, this was this had all aired, you know, initially after I stopped watching Grey's, and I was like, "That's some good fucking TV. That is some good fucking TV." Yeah, I feel like even when I wasn't watching Grey's at this point, uh, people were talking about this episode. It was a water cooler episode for sure. Yeah, so so we are, you know, we're going to wade our way in, and uh, I appreciate you facing your fears. You know, next month we're going to do all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, so at that point— that should be a walk in the park after this. Oh, my God. I can handle anything. <laughs> yeah. If we do that, you're going to have to watch all of the leftovers. Oh, God. <laughs> we are at a standstill. Yeah. Yes, I know. Well, I guess we're at a cold war here. I don't move if That's you don't right. move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, how how about we just get right into it? Yes. All right. So, obviously, you know, we we last kind of left off in last week talking about the end of season three 
And so, or the be- what did we talk about? The end? Of- yeah, the end of the beginning, beginning of season, of season three. three. Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. the beginning of season three. And now we're at the end of season six. And so there's some details. I will say I'm very impressed. I didn't go back and like kind of catch up and like figure out who everyone was or what all the dilemmas were. But the exposition in the opening scenes pretty much caught me up. I, I kind of figured it out. And, and the details I didn't know, I didn't worry about. You know, like if I don't know all the details about, you know, Dr. Teddy Altman, who cares? I'll... Yeah. yeah. I felt the same. It's like I, I know who these people are from like walking through the room and watching Keon watch it. Like, okay, that that's Owen like hot redhead guys how right. I put him in my notes until I knew his name and I'm like why are Callie and Christina crying at the counter like, eating cereal although I loved that scene that's how it opens yeah yeah and I believe that's because Izzy had died recently oh because God, Izzy it's... I think eventually dies of cancer and so my guess but I was like whatever so much happens in these next two episodes that I can't be bothered with why Yang and Callie are crying in the first scene you know yeah. what I mean could be anything could be I thought anything. they were both upset about their significant others as well too I'm sure it's adding to it oh maybe that's what it was yeah maybe that's what it was as well that they because they are both in romantic strife this episode they are indeed yeah well, instead of ending with a montage set to lo-fi baby lady voice rock, we uh, open with a <laughs> montage set to lo-fi baby lady voice rock. And, you know, a classic monologue from uh, from Meredith talking about how the hospital can be a scary place for people. And um, within this montage is where we get all this exposition that Derek is now the chief of the hospital. Karev and Lexi, who you may remember is Meredith's yes. sister, are her. now a thing. And uh, some woman has been hired to just open mouth sob while a body is carried away under a sheet. Yes. That was her entire role. Because they're just showing the montage of, you know, hospitals can be scary places and they can be, you know, terrible things can happen. And people don't like hospitals and, you know, but for Meredith, she's always loved the hospital. She grew up in the hospital. She, you know... Uh, was coloring on people's x-rays or whatever fun little things baby Meredith yeah, was yeah. doing, you know? In all of this montage, we also find out that, of course, Richard is now retired because he's having coffee at a diner at 10 a.m. and holding, conveniently, his AA chip so that uh, the waitress can tell him, oh, hey, you can't pay with that. Oh, no, 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 it's my AA chip. I'm six months today. So... You know, Richard's I my sense is Adele might be dead at this point or on her way to it. I'm getting a feeling yeah. that Adele's dead. Something yeah, because she's not with them. I mean, they're definitely separated or she has passed. Yeah, and I feel like it comes up in the second episode that he had had a great love, but not that he she's still around. So Ooh. this is a very different Richard than a than the one we saw in season three being walked away from by Adele in a yellow rain jacket. I know. It's full circle moment. Yeah. Here. As you mentioned, Christina and Callie are crying over cereal at the breakfast bar. This could be because their relationships are a mess. This could be because Izzy died. But in any event, they're crying over cereal. So that's nice. And um, (laughs) within all of this montage, we do get, and this is an interesting throwback to the last episode we covered. We're back in a locker room. But my, oh my, did the lockers get an upgrade? Yes, 
They certainly have. It's like NFL players. Instead of the old I high know. school lockers, they're like, you know, uh, cherry wood with like recessed lighting. It's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, holy shit. It's sh- like an Ikea. Yeah. I, it was, I liked it. I thought maybe I will be a doctor. So, I know, right? And then with through all of this, Meredith also reveals a positive pregnancy test, which is truly an act one uh Whoa, IPT careful. test or whatever yeah. they're called. Were they called I- IPP tests? IP- oh yeah, I don't know. I know what you're talking. I, I yeah. can't think of it oh, either. I- I've never needed to know. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I would hope uh, not. ITT yeah. Tech. It's one of those. It's an ITT Tech stick. <laughs> Call now. Call yeah. now. You you might be pregnant. <laughs> and throughout this mon this montage monologue, which is really what it is, montage monologues. We see Meredith doing a slow mo walk past who will be later identified as you know we you kind of get the vibe from the moment, but will be later identified as the active shooter in the hospital, and so Mr. Clark, Mr. Gary Clark, uh, who is played by we'll just name it because it really is a, a great performance. Um, Michael O'Neill. I mean, he it's you know we talked about in the first Grey's episode we did. Uh, of this series that you know into you like a train how iconic you know uh bonnie and tom were but i think in terms of guest stars like gary clark is he's running this show yeah i feel like every time i would see him in anything after this it's like it's like a blessing and a curse because it's such a oh god it's it's a terrible role and and it's so funny after every episode i should have like wrote it down of course but Keon always gives me these little tidbits about the episodes we we cover like afterwards so I always need, mean to ask him but one thing I did uh, find out is that the guy who played the shooter didn't he didn't want to take the role uh, he said the only way he would take the role is if there were no kids that were shot and that was like my biggest fear during this entire episode it's like how are some it's so fascinating because some of the wings of the hospital have no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. The kids the ki- uh section for sure. Well, wait till part 2. Uh Oh no. Oh no. Uh It's all right. Callie's got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just tell you about seven kids get shot. You see it in close range. <laughs> okay, good. As long as um, I know before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, it's eight. Oh, I'm not going to tell you who the eighth <laughs> one is. Yeah. So that's the one I'm not going to tell you. Um so Meredith tells Christina that she's pregnant, you know, and that's when Christina has the apropos line of, so are we happy about this or are we exercising our legal right to choose? (laughs) Uh, I know, right? Yeah, I guess in in Washington you are, yes. If this was set in, uh, you know, Indiana, um, not so much. Or Iowa. Yeah, or Iowa. Oh, for Karen Carver, Carver, right? Yeah, right? If if this was set at a karaoke bar in Iowa... (laughs) I there's something about Sandra O oh as Christina Yang in this episode where she just felt so like self-assured and like you can tell her acting got even better than it already has been and and it, it was like it might be like a throwaway line but like for me I just thought it was so cute she's like this is very adult but I'm very proud of you Meredith Grey like the way she said it I just like I just like swooned for her she's so She's incredible. Yeah, I liked how when she asked Meredith, well, are you happy about this? Or, you know, do you want to do something about it? And when Meredith said, no, no, this is good news, I like how she, like, Christina immediately switched on, like, oh, my God, this is great then. And I thought that was, yeah. it was a, a, a sort of genuinely joyful Christina that we weren't, we don't get to see much of, you know? Yes, I agree. I'm always happy to see her. 
Well, apparently, despite, you know, despite the joy we're seeing in the moment, you know, I, I didn't do the excavating, but it looks like, because I know that Christina and Dr. Owen are, Owen, uh, played by uh, Kevin McKidd, who I believe was like a military doctor who then joined the hospital. I feel like that's what I yes, remember. something like that. Yeah. So oh, I, he's so hot, too. Yeah. And he's so hot. Yeah. So I know that she started seeing him, you know, obviously post-Burke. And mm-hmm. there is this love triangle going on between her and Owen and then Dr. Teddy Altman, played by Kim Raver. She looks familiar, but I, I like her energy. Yeah, she was giving me, like, it was reminding me of Dr. Han. Remember Dr. Han, Brooke Smith? Why does that sound so familiar? She, I mean, she was, was on Grey's Anatomy. Um, oh, Dr. Han. Dr. Yes, Han. The, the, like, the competing doctor for uh, Denny Duquette's heart. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. She's giving me kind of a similar vibe. but I can um, see that. But yeah, no, I am not familiar with her. I'm looking through her IMDb. I mean, she... She was in 24. I feel like Keon was big 24 head. Uh, I feel like he watched it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. he did. Well, he's more of an alias guy. Okay, well, let's see if she was an alias. I don't think so. So, all right. Well, <laughs> sorry. Um, she was in one episode of The Practice. Oh, The Practice. I don't know if that Such helps. A... Oh, yeah. my God. Take well, me back. Yeah, in any event. Uh, so that's going on at the same time as well. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mr. Clark is looking for the chief of surgery and uh, so he's kind of weaving through the hospital, asking people, where's the chief of surgery? It's kind of, you know, the, the snake weaving through the hospital. And uh, then meanwhile, uh, Arizona, Dr. I just worked on I mean, I'm on a first name basis with Arizona, Dr. Robbins, played by Jessica Capshaw, which I think is, I know she's Kate Capshaw's daughter, but is she Steven Spielberg's daughter as well? Whoa. I, let's hold on. This is something that's worth looking up. Because, yeah, oh, maybe Steven Spielberg is her stepfather because there's also a Robert Capshaw. So she gotcha. mu- he must be her – because I know Kate Capshaw and Steven Spielberg uh, were or are married. In any event, there is a Spielberg connection. Yeah, um, she's great. I've always – even though I haven't watched those later seasons, she has, like, such great energy. I really, really like her as an actress and – I don't know. I dig her vibe. Same. I except watching the the season six episode one. Um, that was where you know she's also in that one as well, and I really liked her. And she, yeah, she has just a great energy. And of course, she's a lesbian. Yeah. So and and Callie is you know in her uh, at this point. I mean you know there's a passing comment later from Arizona that oh you date men you date women, but indeed Callie is uh, not pursuing George anymore. We know that much. We know that. Callie and Arizona, I believe, were together or are together in, in some extent, but that uh, Callie really wants kids and Arizona doesn't. And so that's kind of what this, what the tension we're seeing between them is all about. Yeah, more on that later, because I love that sort of hallway fight mm-hmm. that they had. Yeah. Well, not only is that happening, uh, and not only is there the love triangle between Owen and Teddy and Christina, but we also find out that Owen had told Derek to give Teddy... Teddy's job away. So there's professional t- tension. There's personal tension. It wouldn't be Seattle Grace if there wasn't a little bit of both. Yeah, it's perfect. It's it's like it reminds me of, um, in some ways, like an Almodovar movie where there's so many things that he's packing in, yeah. but it's all written well enough that it doesn't matter. Ooh, I love that. It totally is. Yes. Um, which actually that reminds me the last shot of that season six episode one. Um. I don't know why I keep saying it that way, but okay. the the <laughs> the episode I was thinking we might do this week 
ends on such an Almodovar kind of ending, just ends on this one shot of, of Bailey that I was like, oh, I'm in heaven. So yes. who knows? Maybe we'll just, maybe I'll assign that to you as an assignment. It's, it's a really good episode. I would love that. Well, speaking of Bailey, Bailey and Dr. Percy, played by Robert Baker, are consulting with Mandy Moore, uh, playing Mary, who is there to have surgery to hopefully have her colostomy bag removed. Gotta love Mandy Moore. What's your history with Mandy, Colin? You know, I I feel like my strongest history is the candy video from the '90s and that little <laughs> that green guy in the blue bug. Shirt. Oh, yes. yeah, and the green Volkswagen Bug, and yes. yeah, that was um, you know, and and the song that she sang for a Walk to Remember, but I never saw a Walk to Remember. Ooh, I mean, that was like I feel in my mind. I feel like that came up before the Notebook, but that was like the the mo- like that in the Notebook. I've seen. I think I'd seen a walk to remember multiple times. And wow. I I mean, I dare say, and she's sort of proven it too. Like I, I was impressed with her in that movie. I'm impressed with her in this episode. And she is like a tour de force. And this is us. Like I, I only watched the first season of that. Um, but I've seen clips and she, I don't know. I'm, 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 uh, I'm proud of you, Mandy. You really made it happen. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Colin, no, not Colin. Keon told me that uh, the one of the reasons she got cast in This Is Us is because of this episode, which I really which I love. wow. Yeah. Well, you know, without any spoilers, she's even better in the next episode. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. yeah, I wanted a slapper in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, there is so much of like this episode. I feel is setting up. Like the first time I watched it, it was so intense. Then the second time I watched the episode and took notes, I was like, okay, now that I've seen the second episode, I can see how the first is doing a lot of setup for what's going to go down in the second episode. But like, there's a world where we could have done both of them today. But I feel like let's, you know, a little suspense never hurt anybody. Yeah, Yeah, right. Maybe maybe that's too much for people. You know? (laughs) Yes. So, um, so yeah, Mandy Moore is. uh, I, I I am. It it is a a success story, despite the fact that she didn't get like an Emmy nomination for This Is Us or whatnot. The fact that she is considered such a good actor and has been so successful in acting does feel like when you think of all of the kind of teen pop stars of the late '90s, feels like maybe the best success story. You know, I mean, Christina Aguilera yeah. is doing well, and you know, Britney will figure it out, and you know, Jessica Simpson, you know, all of them. They they were all kind of the blonde names at the time, but like Mandy Moore, it's like she just like kept her head down and just like stayed steady, and and I think has come out with like the most maybe stable career. You know, yeah, it's it's really fun to see. I, yeah. I like her a lot, and. I love their names, Mary, in this episode too. But like, she's she has like a little bit of sass, you know. Like I, my opening line was, "How hot is my husband's ass?" As she's just sort of she's showing us that she's also cool, you know. She's cool. She doesn't. She's not afraid to talk about how she her poops in a bag, you know. Yeah, I mean, that was a moment of like Mandy Moore is talking about her poop. You know, this is a big <laughs> yes. moment. I never thought yes. when she was in that little Volkswagen Bug in 1997. I I didn't even think she did poop. I thought that this person doesn't poop. The pizza's worth it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like, uh, she she tells her husband to go pick up a very heavy pizza, especially for somebody who poops in a bag. I was like, that's a tall order. Yes. And as Bailey says, well, if you get the pizza, you also get the bowel prep and enema that comes with it. I mean, if I had worth a it. nickel every time <laughs> I had to hear that, and you get you're gonna do it. Yeah. All I have to do is sit here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, there is a... She's like, mention it all. 
totally. <laughs> Anima it all. Yes. <laughs> Anima mention it all. <laughs> With the legs. Anima mention it all. Yes, that's good. <laughs> um, there is a line in here that I th- is I think important later, maybe more so in the second episode. But uh, Bailey does make a passing comment to Mary that, like, you know, we're gonna, you know. Uh, get you know give you this blood and and you know then get you out of here and you don't have to deal with you know dr percy and she says something about how like she doesn't like him but he's helpful and it just you know it's an easter egg for later that she says in front of dr percy that she doesn't like him i know oh he's handsome too he is guy. too a lot yeah. of oh. handsome doctors this new the new you know like the freshman class yeah the new class yeah, so this guy Robert Baker, let's let's see if let's see what you know, let's see if I can fall out of love with him. You know what I mean? I gotta ruin him for myself so that I don't yeah. feel like I've missed out. I'm looking him up too. I, he he reminded me of someone. Oh, he's in Grey's Anatomy. No, but he's like. Yeah, I know what you mean. There was something about him that seemed familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. And I yeah, he's someone. Maybe he's... it'll come to us by the end of you know next week. I'll think upon it. Right, and just wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my! Oh, I know what it is. He was in an episode of Jag in two thousand two. <laughs> I'm sure my grandma knows him. Then see if your see if your grandma knows Petty Officer Second Class Lester Petrosky. <laughs> he was in a two thousand two episode called The Killer. Um. Anyway, there we go. Worth a shot, Grams. Jag. Jag. There's always a Jag connection. That's what we have to do is every actor that we like talk about in here, we have to see if they've been in Jag. Yes, it's the new law and order for yeah. us. Yeah. So, you know, Kim Raver, while we're here, let's just make, God forbid, can you imagine if she was in Jag? No, she oh was gosh. in an episode of ER, but no Jag. Okay, okay, so no Jag. Jag or no Jag is the game. <laughs> yes, let's exactly. look at Jessica, Ch- Jessica Capshaw. What's your guess, Jag or no Jag? Ooh, I mean, I would love it, but I just feel like that's such a, it's such a, a male heavy show. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm going to say no Jag. Okay. You're right. No Jag. Okay. But she also was in an episode of ER. So there's also that Fair game enough. of like, yes. were you in a medical show? Yeah. I so, like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, glad we got that out of the way. So that's where we know Dr. Robert Baker from, or that's where we know Robert Baker from is from that episode of Jag that your grandma loves. Um, now let me go back to where I was. All right. Meanwhile, uh, there is a, and I don't know if maybe I'm just dumb. Are we supposed to understand that this gunshot wound victim that Owen and Teddy are working on was shot by Mr. Clark? I also think that's what we're supposed to be. Uh, that, that, that's what happened. Yeah. Cause he's right. like, and he just shot me randomly on the way to the hospital because yeah, it's like a, an Easter egg. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, he's already, you know, he's already shooting. So yeah. So they're working on this guy who's been shot. He's the guy starts to crash and the girlfriend, you know, is freaking out and, and you know, they, they kind of give her a moment to say goodbye. And then as they escort her out and Teddy's like, we don't have time, you know, for things like that. And, I, and I'm mentioning this because I think it all kind of all of these things are on purpose for an episode like this is Owen making a point of how there was there was there was at least time for her to say one last goodbye. So, oh, Jesus. Yeah. So getting sentimental already. Uh, I'm scared. I'm worried for Owen now. And see, OK, I don't I don't know what's going to happen in the second episode. No, yeah. I, I, you know. Well, you know that seven kids are going to get killed. That that we do know. Yeah, it's going to be pretty <laughs> awful. No no dogs or cats, though, because we wouldn't that's, be doing this. That's right. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, 
and this is of course and you know to your question of like how soon is it going to start like when's the shooting going to start who's going to get shot first it is nuts how little time is wasted because mr clark you know wanders into a supply room and encounters dr reed who is played by nora zahetner and i'm just looking to see because you know, obviously, you know, the idea is that, oh, there were recurring characters who were going to die this episode. So she had been in, let's confirm, 10 episodes. That's what Keon said, that she was kind of like an established character at this point. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Olivia, the redhead nurse, you know. Right. Someone, even if she got shot, too, I would have felt bad. But um, I mean, uh, what if Patricia, the notary, you know, oh my, oh. how cool is that? <laughs> How cool is that? Oh, God. Uh, And so, yeah, he, you know, encounters Dr. Reed, is asking where the chief's office is. She gets kind of snippy with him. She's like, you know, I'm a surgeon, not a tour guide. And that, of course, is a key thing that she says she's a surgeon. And then he just shoots her in the head. It's crazy. And I did see that clip somewhere on, like, Instagram or, like, TikTok or some bullshit and like that. So I was prepared for this moment. Yeah. But, um, so I was glad for that. Good, because yeah, I was Karev... not. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then Karev comes in, and then the guy just turns and shoots Karev in the side. And, you know, and then that's basically almost like the, like, cut to the opening credit screen. They don't yes. do the whole opening credits. It's just the, like, Grey's Anatomy. Um, or maybe they did that earlier after Mo- Meredith's monologue. But anyway, this is like the cut before the commercial break. Yes, absolutely. So Karev drags himself into the elevator. And I think what's really interesting about this, and maybe this is something I didn't notice in more of the episode, but there's very little dramatic music. Oh, you're right. And at least in this scene, there's no dramatic music while he's dragging himself into the elevator. And that just like stood out as, as the more effective choice. Yeah, it really kind of lets you sit in the the panic and also just like what that would be like in real life is just like inch by inch mm-hmm. trying to save yourself. But I was like, how does he press the button? Right. He can't. Right. <laughs> and I just want to mention now, I should have mentioned at the start, but Shonda Rhimes wrote this episode. Ooh. And so it's another Shonda episode, which similar to last week. And she talked about how this was a very hard episode to write and like. And it like she was like it really like fucked me up and she's like and I get it it's a TV show I know but like knowing that I was going to kill people in this episode and knowing what I was going to put these people through was just really hard to do and I I and I guess I get that after so many seasons like you've spent so much time and energy on these people's lives that like some of them you know you're kind of ruining you know yeah people get attached yeah, yeah. sub characters and you know of course main characters it's and and people it's like it makes sense because people eventually want to leave shows to do other projects or whatever and really the only thing is to either like what addison did i guess is like she moved to her private practice and got her own spinoff or they die right right and like everybody dies in gray's anatomy eventually yeah, i mean yeah half the people who survive these episodes are going to die later so yeah um just you wait but meanwhile, and this is an interesting thing that the episode's doing where, like, the the shooting is happening in the hospital in parts of it. And then, as you said, in other parts, certainly in this first episode, there's people who have no idea what's going on. And so it's an interesting tone shift to then go to, like, the next scene of Meredith meeting Derek in his office to tell him about being pregnant. And, you know, and he's just, like, tired and gruff and all this paperwork and he's just in no mood for it. And it's just, like... 
guy, Karev, you know? You're just like, guys, <laughs> who cares? It adds to it. Like, honestly, yeah, like every time they'd cut back to, again, Cali in Arizona, I was like, they don't know yet, and eventually they're going to know. And yeah. I hate that. I hated that. Like, even Meredith and Christina just, like, roaming the halls and just like, oh, I guess. And, like, before they bump into Derek, like, I, I it's such a perfect device to instill even more <laughs> panic. Right. It creates suspense in scenes yes. that aren't suspenseful, right? Yeah. So, Ugh. you know, this is not the time to tell Derek about the baby, which, of course, is an operative plot point as well, is that she doesn't tell him. And, uh, but she does tell him before she leaves his office, you know, Derek, there's going to be a lot of dirty sex for you tonight. So look forward to that. And I'm like, what, Shonda, when you say dirty sex between Meredith and Derek, what are you even talking about? Like, is she going to wear sexy panties? You know, I thought it was such a weird line because it just doesn't seem like something Meredith would say, especially dirty sex. There's going to be a lot of sex for you tonight. Right, but, like, dirty sex. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, f- I guess it's something that they... I mean, he knew. He knew. He must have known. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... I. There's something about it. I'm like, ew. I don't know why. My instinct is like... I mean, <laughs> ugh. Yeah. I, Meanwhile, you know, Owen and Teddy are in surgery with this gunshot victim, and um, Owen offers for Yang to scrub in, and she declines, which I guess is really to emphasize just how much she wants nothing to do with him, that she doesn't even want to do surgery. Yeah, and this is where they walk out into the hallway, right? Yes. She asks, I am obsessed with the, the, the way she asks this question. She says, do you love her or do you love me? And it's not even a question. It's almost like she can't even ask the question. She like chokes on it. Like the inflection of like, or do you love me? I don't know how to like describe it, but it's so interesting and perfect. And he just like stares wide-eyed at her. And then she's just like, that's all the answer she needs. Yeah, she's like, okay we're done and i thought man you know the one thing to point out and it's very obvious in this episode and the next one mostly this episode like the the number of just wildly incompatible relationships people with just terrible communication skills i mean there are times where gray's anatomy makes me think oh relationships are not worth the chase (laughs) oh my god if this this could happen no Uh, put a poll through me you know yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's part of, like, any – I guess, like – I mean, we we all know that this is a well-written show, too, but, like, you have to have that – it's almost like when people say um, – this is such a random example, but, like, in Seinfeld, like, 98% of the problems could have been uh, resolved if they just had cell phones. Yeah, And, like, right? called each other and been like, this is happening, I need you to go here. But in this, too, it's like you have to take away that – that part of like that rationality of like communication, like you're saying, like if they just would talk, but that's also what makes it, I don't know, a little bit, um, it makes it a little real, a little more real, but also it seems fake at the same time too, because people wouldn't act that way, but most people can't communicate. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it really comes yeah. down to. I think, I think both, both what you're saying is true. I think there's the dramatic effect, like a soap opera of dragging the shit out, but there's also like, yeah, most people suck at communication. It's, you know, earlier today, Justine and I did an episode for the shore store of Jersey shore. Oh, yeah. And you know, there's a fight between Jay wow and Roger. And it's like, this is all about poor communication. The two of you 
are different languages or, you know, or biting your tongues. Like this, all of this would be solved, Jenny, if you just said what you wanted to say, you know? Yeah. High school with scalpels or high schools with spray tans, maybe. For exactly. Sure. Like, exactly. It, that's I, I'm just obsessed with that description. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the tagline on the poster: "High school with scalpels." That that is the season one tagline. I mean, or yeah. should be anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile, April, who is I think is a nurse uh, or is a doctor. I think she's got a doctor's coat on, but she is played by Sarah Drew, Doctor April. Oh, she's a doctor, Doctor April Kepner, and she is taking some notes in her notebook and. Uh, while walking into the uh, infamous supply room and slips and falls face first into Dr. Reed's blood. Yikes. And it's like, and it's that kind of fall where it's like, right and like the nose right into the floor where it's like, I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, you know, she sits up and then realizes that she's covered in blood and she finds Dr. Reed's body and she runs to Derek's office, and I took a clip here because I think, and in this, she is also has some great moments in the in the next episode. But I think April is given some really meaty material in these episodes, mm-hmm. and so this is a monologue of hers when she runs into Derek's office in hysterics or in shock, really. April, what is it? Do you know I I grew up on a farm. What happened? I. I grew up on a farm, so you know, blood blood doesn't doesn't bother me. I I slaughtered a pig once. That was a lot of blood. Bleeding like a stuck pig, you know, that's that's a saying. To bleed like a pig, you know, it means something. But you don't you don't think of people as having that much blood. I mean, you learn in med school how many pints we all have in us, but you don't realize it until you see it. You don't get how how much blood in this skinny person. I mean, my God, Reed, she's she's like almost anorexic. She's like five pounds. You you wouldn't think she'd have that much blood in her, but she April. she did. April. She did. April. She April. did. April. I mean, April. 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 You're in shock. It's all right. Tell me what happened. Reed's dead. Someone shot her. So. I, huh. I at first I was like, do I like this? But then I liked it in the context of her being in shock and just rambling. I thought that was an interesting script choice. I totally agree. The first time I watched this, I was like, oh my, because because you know, it's like I just wanted to spit it out, but of course she can't because she just slipped on a coworker's dead body and right. she knows that someone has a gun and she's just trying to get that out. I think like the whole pig thing, like I was like, I wish it didn't start that way. I wish it started out like one other sentence before that but i get it and then i was able to fully kind of appreciate it the second time and her voice and listening to it now i was like why who am i hearing and i'm realizing i'm uh, my brain is going to gilmore girls but it's a mix of rory and paris uh rory in paris is that what you're saying and paris rory Uh, and then her friend you know do do you know the gilmore girls are you like i know if you watched one episode i I, i've only dabbled so it's that's i'm assuming you were saying like her best friend yes it's her it's like her like snooty friend at college paris geller (laughs) um so for our gilmore heads out there are you getting rory and paris or maybe rory in paris you know maybe she's (laughs) very trembly and nervous yeah yeah yeah, forget move over emily it's rory in paris (laughs) i'd watch she's you know and she's talking about sticking pigs uh so I also like during this monologue, she like April kind of like wipes blood inadvertently across her forehead when she like touches it. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting little nuance of like accidentally wiping more blood on your face. I agree. It's like, it is such a sight. Cause it kind of, 
you could tell Derek's like, whoa, is this from surgery? Like, this is right. a little nuts for you to just be running around the hospital like this. Now, tell me this, because, I mean, there are so many white women on this show that it's kind of hard to keep track of. Is April also the chick at the very end of this episode? Yes. Oh, great. Because yes. she has that monologue in the next episode, which I have seen. Yes. That is... So good. <laughs> so good. It's yeah. so good. That's what I'm really like queening out on is like, oh, she has this little little monologue, but then she gets another one. Yeah, and that is that's yeah. that's good stuff there. And okay, I thought, great. you know, that's a great role to have in these episodes because you, you get to you get to have the moment for a little bit. So Yeah. Uh meanwhile, uh Christina enters the ele- elevator unknowingly with the shooter, with Mr. Clark, who <gasps> Um, then, you know, she then ends up giving him directions to find Derek's office. And I can't say anything more, but I feel like they don't really acknowledge how, like, the dramatic irony of this choice. It's so smart. Yeah, and it almost, I was talking to Keon about it, and it almost seems like a very un-Christina-like thing to have patience for this man. Because she just, like, broke up with her boyfriend and she's like, oh, yeah, you cross the bridge. and do- it's, I mean, it's not that sing-songy or, like, bubbly, but, like, thank God she told him because I can only imagine this, like, in real time, like, when this came out. Like, obviously, we knew Christina wasn't going to die, but we don't know. Well, sure, at the time, like, that's the whole thing is you don't know who's going to die. Or get shot, and, at least. Or even, or even get shot. But, like, in terms of what happens the next episode – remember that she gave him directions to find Derek okay. is what I'll say. Oh um, I hope that she's, that's like a get out of jail free card or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it involves seven kids and <laughs> no, how dare you? <laughs> um, I also just love the, the tension of the scene. I love, yes. well, there isn't a ton of dramatic music. I love that. There's that kind of like that. She kind of sound. What is that? That like that, that metally kind of like, Cheney sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Am I making any sense? I, is it the? Are you talking about the elevator? The noise the elevators make, or is no, it like it, a music in the background? Yes, it's like a musical sting in the background um, that happens in Mr. Clark scenes where it's like it's just a attention sting. Mm, okay, I probably didn't notice it because I was just probably too stressed out. But yeah, uh, I'm yeah. glad you're mentioning it. They might use it in the next episode. I can't remember. Very but... shiva baby. Oh, very shiva baby. I'm. Uh oh! We in terms of dramatic music, dramatic yeah, that stinks. like yeah. yeah, those like strings and yes. staccatos and everything. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot how that had such a chaotic score. Yeah. Well, we then cut to um, Alex, who is you know bleeding out in the elevator, uh, and then back to Derek in his office on the phone with the head of hospital security, and they come to the conclusion that the hospital needs to go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. So last week. Uh, we dealt with the plague, and we dealt with people being quarantined. This week, we're dealing with lockdowns. Oh, and my gosh. Obviously, active shooters. I mean, not for nothing, but Grey's Anatomy continues to be relevant content. Yeah. Whoa. Whether we like it or not. Is, that's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Derek leaves April in his office, and, you know, he's going to go take care of business and tells her to stay there. And she, you know, she says, but what if you get shot? And he says that he says, I'll be fine. And he says, you know, I'm the chief. And I think that that's obviously also another dramatic irony because that that's actually putting the biggest target on him is that he's the chief. I know. It's like, but I guess he knew what he looked like, though, because I was like, could he have gotten away 
if he wasn't wearing his white jacket because that's such an important thing with Bailey in the upcoming scene. Right. Like, uh, but again, it's a TV show, <laughs> so yeah. we'll never know. Right, right. But I love that he has this confidence. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the chief. I can handle yeah. this. And it's like actually your target number one because of that. So <sighs> speaking of the chief, Richard is continuing to have breakfast as police cars go racing by and – like a, a mother knows he knows that his baby Seattle Grace is in trouble and he goes running out. Yeah. And then meanwhile, uh, the, there is, you know, uh, a call into the pediatric uh, wing and one of the doctors tell, one of the nurses tells the doctors that they're on lockdown. All of the pagers start going off. And in this scene, I really liked how uh, Arizona just was very calm. Like, not even yes. knowing there's a sh- – they don't know there's a shooter. They just know it's a lockdown. But she's just like, okay, so here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do that, and we're just going to – you know, and we're not going to make anybody worry, and uh, and that's that. I loved it. I put that in all caps. Arizona is – she's just like per- – it's like in All-Star 7 when, like, Shea Coulee took over for, like, the choreographer. I was like, the, right. like that first number. I was like, okay, we're in good hands. Everyone yep. loves her. She has a great sense of humor, and she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's going to be fine. Uh, except for Callie, who does not want to even be locked down on the same floor as her. So, yeah. Wow. Callie, I know. I'm like, Callie, do you know what is going on right now? I know. Now? Oh, and, ugh. It's, I mean, I, it, it's funny because, like, knowing the next episode, I'm just, like, so excited because there's just so much payoff in terms of what we want to see happen, you know? Sure. So, um, Meanwhile, Bailey is checking on Mary. Uh, Mary is having big main character syndrome about being a great patient. She's like, I'm a great patient, right? I mean, you love me. I'm <laughs> yeah. so great. I'm so All awesome. Right, Mary. All right, Mary. Keep pooping in the bag. <laughs> yeah. Derek, uh, he goes down to the operating room where Owen and Teddy are working on that one gunshot patient and pulls aside Dr. Jackson Avery, played by the well-endowed <laughs> Jesse yes, Williams. Every time I see him now, that's all I, I see. I know. Oh, he's such a babe. Ugh. And those I think eyes. the name he, those eyes and the name Avery, I think, is such a, an adorable name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so he pulls Avery aside and explains that there's a shooter in the hospital. The hospital's on lockdown, but that they should continue with surgery. Don't tell Owen and Teddy until the patient is stable. And uh meanwhile, Meredith finds Christina just taking notes in an empty corridor. They are not concerned about this lockdown. They are, you know, uh, I guess they're just, you know, COVID deniers. You're like, oh, whatever. We'll be in the house for a week. No big deal. Basically kind of energy. Yes. Doesn't, I don't know who says it first, but like, what if a serial serial killer is loose or something like that? I'm like, an girls. Ex- yeah. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, maybe there's an expert on the loose. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, so there's just a lot of talk about needing to help Derek that she's pregnant instead, and uh, Christina tells Meredith that she broke up with Owen, yes. and I feel like in a way it's like, oh, well, let's make you feel better. You can come with me when I tell Derek that I'm pregnant. Yeah, it's nice. And, you know, meanwhile, we cut to Dr. Mark Sloan, who I don't think we've really actually talked about yeah. at all until yep. this week. Uh, Dr. Mark Sloan, played by Eric Dane, uh, which is not his porn name. And he and Lexi, played by Tyler, Kyler, maybe Kyler, Kyler Lee. Um, that I look at her name and I want to say Tyler Lay, but it's probably Kyler Lee, you know? <laughs> How is it spelled? I'm not looking at it. It's C-H-Y-L-E-R, 
and then l-e-i-g-h oh yeah that is interesting yeah yeah kyler lee i've always that last the name lee l-e-i-g-h i've always wanted to pronounce lay um or lie but no one no one does so it's it's a a me problem (laughs) well they are having some kind of romantic tension but this is one of those things where i was like oh can not be bothered don't care uh and it doesn't fucking matter because within 10 seconds one of the nurses is telling mr clark he can't go upstairs and mr clark shoots her oh god that was that was very intense yeah because it really that comes out of nowhere almost even more than dr reed getting shot in the beginning it's just like oh we're doing this okay yeah and then they run through the crowd and Oh, God, they open up the elevator. It was perfect. I was like, uh-huh. oh, Shonda, you know exactly what you're doing. It was so smart. They run to the elevators, and there's Karev on the floor. So the police and SWAT are swarming outside, and Richard finds the dad from My So-Called Life, uh, Tom Irwin. Did you ever watch My So-Called Life? I never did. Oh, this comes that... surprises no one. Yes. I mean, yeah, this is not my surprise face, obviously. <laughs> um, but oh, they, uh, Amanda and, and Jody have talked about it a little bit on yeah. you know some of their podcasts. It is honestly a phenomenal show, and I I think at some point you you would do yourself a great service to watch it um, because in particular, like the mom. Oh, especially now that we're adults. That's the whole thing with my so-called life. Once you're an adult, you more identify with the parents' storylines. For sure, yes. I'm looking at, like, the cast pictures. Is it Uh, on, like, Hulu or something? I feel like it's available, right? I don't know. I don't know where it is, but it's worth finding. Yeah, 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 it's worth finding. So, um, oh, it's on ABC.com. There it is. You, you love ABC.com. I it's love all. <laughs> it's you love where ABC.com. I watch Modern Family reruns. You know. Oh my god, you can't you can't get enough of it. Uh, I guess it's on Hulu as well. Okay. So, um, so there you go. But I mean, ABC.com. I mean, you know, how, how could you resist? <laughs> <laughs> that should be their tagline right abc.com how could you resist yes um anyway he is you know tom Irwin is playing the the chief of police and is reassuring richard they've got it covered they got to keep everybody on lockdown got to keep everybody in because they don't know you know uh they don't know who the shooter is and you know at least they do a, they do go into the hospital in a reasonable period of time you know at least yes. they don't stand around looking at their phones oh for God, 90 minutes <laughs> there was a moment of, of like wow this this is hitting nerves that weren't even exposed yet in terms of like okay there's police swarming a building and there's a shooter inside and it feels like no one's doing anything yeah. you know oh my gosh yeah the parallels. so that it's it's nuts i mean it and it's impressive when these shows you know, um, I don't know if it says something about the show or if it says something about humanity that these yeah. plot lines can come out on the show 10 years earlier and still be painfully relevant 10 years later. I know it's a ugh, it's a little gross. Yeah. Well, I love that Mary's husband with the great ass shows up with the pizza and then he turns to Richard. and He's like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Like he it's like, uh, you know, wake up, clap those cheeks and wake up, honey. Something's going on here. He's eating a garlic knot. <laughs> yeah, he's got half a garlic knot in his mouth. Oh, what's going on here? Oh. Oh. Drops the dipping sauce. Bill. Uh, his name is Bill. Oh, my gosh. Dropping the dipping sauce. Illegal. Yeah. Just, yeah. Take him to the emergency room. That's an yeah. emergency. So Lexi and Mark drag Alex into like a coffin, uh, a coffin room. Jesus Christ, <laughs> a conference room. I promise it's not an inadvertent spoiler. Yeah, uh, or is it? 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe Alex dies. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, they drag him into a conference room, and they've got him on a table. Uh, Then we cut to a a chaos of charts in pediatrics. I don't know how they went into lockdown, and the charts just went crazy. So many binders, so many papers. (laughs) Yeah. Why is this happening? Like, everything else is business as usual, but whatever. Yeah, what's changed here? I mean, I guess they they do say, like— I feel like Arizona says something about, like, there's only three people, like, three doctors, nine nurses, or something like that. Right, right. There's just limited people, but it's like it's not like more patients showed up. Yeah. I mean, kids, they're the worst. <laughs> you know, you'd mentioned before, like, Christina and, and Meredith walking through the hospital on their way to Derek's office. Like, it's eerie. It's so quiet. And they're just casually chit-chatting. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are in the eye of the fucking storm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And then Christina says very prophetically that, uh, you know, I kind of hope you and Derek die so I can raise the kid with decent priorities. I know. How dare you, Shonda? How dare you? you? Well, I don't want to say anything, but, uh, you know, better say goodbyes now. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Meanwhile, then Derek finds them and escorts them into a supply closet. And then and that's when they find out that there is indeed a shooter in the hospital. So we cut back to Bailey, who is trying to stay calm with Mary, keeps checking her pager, and, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, um, okay, well, there's kind of a situation. And then at that point, Dr. Percy storms in, and this is just so fucking scary. He's like, the shooter's on the floor. Like, just like that, like, immediate threat that they're in. I'm sure that's just, like, part of your worst nightmare. Yeah. Um, I, I just, like, uh, I want to think that I would be able to, you know, what— step into action like Bailey does as opposed to just like hide because that'd be that would be everyone's first instinct too but um oh my god it's it's horrifying it's awful I mean I definitely was in this situation not literally but in my mind of like well, what the hell would I do where where would I go I guess I would hide in the bathroom does the door lock I don't know you know <sighs> uh probably not in a hospital so you know Bailey you know she watches through the window and she sees you know Mr. Clark shoot some of the security guards so Percy runs and hides in the bathroom. Mary plays dead under a sheet, and Bailey hides under Mary's bed. And sure enough, in comes Mr. Clark. Oh, God. Thank God, like, Mandy wasn't... I'm just going to call her Mandy, but Mary yeah. um, wasn't, like, hooked up to anything. Like, you know what I mean? Because, right? like, what if her pulse was still there? I mean, she could have just been, like, in a coma. So it, it works. Right, right. I mean, what if he looked, and all of a sudden there was just, like, new poop in the bag? And he's like, <laughs> She's pooping. Yeah, the bag just fills up. <laughs> like very quickly just expands. Oh, God. Because, you know, it scares the shit out of her. Yeah. That would be a very dark detail. That would be, yes. Uh, you know, he pulls down the sheet and sees her. And, you know, Mandy Moore, I'm like, hold your breath, hold your breath, hold your breath. I know. That's the other uh, thing. And it's interesting because it almost seems like Mr. Clark seeing what he thinks might be a dead body almost makes him start to panic. And when you're, and you're like, dude, you, you just shot like five people. So uh, he and he's like, I don't know if I can do this. This is too much. And that's when, I don't know, Dr. Percy decided to take the lid off the toilet tank or something. Uh, (laughs) The lid off the toilet tank. (laughs) I know. It's like, of course. Of course. Yeah. And Mr. Clark, I mean, what I would have done is if the lid of that toilet tank came off, I would have taken it off, stood on the other side of the door, and if the door opened and he came in, I would have bashed him <gasps> in the head. It's funny you say that because I saw a TikTok, like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, that that is, if you were locked in a bathroom, like in a home invasion, that is the best weapon you can have. You could, yeah. you could do a lot of damage with that thing. 
I I seen it used in movies. It's yeah, pretty fucking awful. Yeah, that's what I would do. I always think like you know, if you were trapped in the bathroom, that's what you should do. Use the lid of your toilet tank. There you we know? go. You're welcome, folks. Um, Hopefully, you're you, welcome. you never have to use it. Right, and then if if for some reason you have some newfangled toilet that doesn't have a tank, then I what I would probably do is break the mirror, and then I would yeah. create a I would wrap like my. My part of my coat around it, and then I'd stand on this other, you know, on the side of the door. And as Mr. Clark came in, I'd stab him in the neck. And I'm a surgeon, so I know exactly where to stab him. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, my alternative, my if this happened to me, I'd probably like spray him in the eyes with like the Lysol can. Hope, hope for oh, the best. <laughs> that's smart too. I might do that too. Maybe a, yeah, yeah, double hander. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so he, you know, and this kind of becomes the death wish is is. Percy, you know, Dr. Percy basically says, like, please, I'm a, I'm a surgeon. Please don't shoot me. And, you know, basically, could, you know, confirms with Dr. Mr. Clark that he's a surgeon and then gets shot and falls down on the floor, you know, kind of making eye contact with Bailey under the bed, who then Bailey and you don't know what's going to fucking happen. And she suddenly gets dragged out from under the bed <sighs> and I'm ripping my pearls off of my chest. I did not expect that. I didn't. Yeah. I thought he was going to just leave and then it would be Mandy and Bailey. This was so unbearably tense. And I have a clip. Yes. Because there's some great Bailey acting here. Obviously, so much of this is visual, but like it's interesting kind of just like knowing her as such a stable energy throughout so much of the show. She is just such a mess in this. I mean, understandably in this scene. And she's on her back on the floor. She's on her back, you know, looking up at him on the floor and he is standing over her pointing a gun at her. No! Oh! No! Are you, are you a surgeon? Answer me! No! 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 I'm a, a nurse! I'm, I'm, I'm a nurse! I'm, I'm a nurse! honestly thought he was going to shoot her in this scene like it is so unbearably tense and he's like you know reloading his gun and he's saying i'm sorry and i'm like oh that's it that's it he's gonna fucking shoot her this is it yeah it's even more tense to like than the chris for many reasons obviously than the the christina elevator ride too but it's like she can't she can't go this is not bailey's time and but just the trauma that comes after that like just her like once he eventually leaves too is just like her she's she's so good how does she not oh, have an emmy yeah. for this? and i know there's more to come in the next episode too but i i'm just continually blown away from, by her yeah it's it really these this episode and then definitely the next one it's just incredible what she does so you know, back with, you know, Mark and Karev and Chyler Lay, uh, they're putting a chest tube in Karev. And this scene was driving me nuts because Karev kept screaming, Same. obviously in pain. And Mark keeps telling Lexi to shut him up. It's like, hello, the shooter is outside. Can you shut him up? And she's just like, 
okay, so Alex, I just need you to be quiet, okay? And he just keeps screaming, and I'm like, shut him up, you stupid inferior gray sister. <laughs> yes, I know. I thought she was going to kiss him for like a split second. Right. That's what I was thinking too, and I was like, oh, please don't do that. Oh, please don't yeah, let I don't that think be. that would help me. Finally, she yeah. just stuffed something in his mouth, which is right. what you need. Which is what I would have done. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, we hop back to pediatrics, and, you know, the plan is, you know, to escort all of the kids into the playroom. And, and as they're kind of navigating these, uh, you know, logistics, this seems to be a perfect time. For Arizona and Kaylee and Kaylee and Kaylee and Kaylee Cuoco, <laughs> Arizona and Kaylee, uh, Arizona and Callie to talk about their problems. Yeah, it's like in a way like it's a good acting moment. And like it's you know, it's obviously a very real uh, storyline in real life too. like one side of the couple wants kids. The other one doesn't. And like who it's like I I don't really side with any of them because it's an impossible situation. If one is like diametrically opposed and the other one wants it, it's it's kind of the end of the line in some ways, right? Well, I mean, this feels like a pretty yeah, this feels like a pretty significant thing. Um, and and the the way the fight plays out, and I, what I'm thinking is that they want Mark to be the surrogate, but that it's going to be their baby, but. You know, and this is like, you know, Callie is talking about how, like, this is her dream to be a mother, and this is just a sign that Arizona doesn't care about her dreams. You know, and like, again, it's just this, like, as you said, like, this level of incompatibility where it's like, all right, well, then y'all are both, like, grown adult women who have probably have good heads on their shoulders and kind of know what they want in life or, you know, know how to kind of figure it out. And, like, maybe you just know at this age that you... Arizona don't want kids and you Kaylee you do want kids so <laughs> you too don't make a right you know yeah you dismissed my dream is what Callie says yeah you dismissed my dream but then Arizona comes back with like sorry am I supposed to just like you know like the uh, that's the other side of the argument too like just because like I forget what she says she says something like like to change her mind because I love you. Like, is that what I have to do? Like, I don't want this. And both sides are valid. Again, not a right. match. Yeah, it's just not a match. Uh, and I don't know whatever ends up with these two. My sense is one of them dies, or they break up, or who knows. I feel like in the Arizona long run, moves somewhere. She moves. Maybe to could have just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she gets shot in the next episode. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Oh, I don't know. God. Maybe. She's trying to protect those seven kids. Oh, what do you think happens to Arizona? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so scared she, for next week. She dies. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Okay. So, uh, you know, luckily they're interrupted by a medical emergency. The little girl that Arizona was, you know, uh, consulting in the beginning with the, with the appendix uh, has been wheeled in uh, to, you know, distract them from more important things. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Bailey is trying to stop the bleeding for, uh, Dr. Percy. Mary is, is, is starting to panic. And, and this scene is so interesting because like, you know, Bailey is, you know, trying to close up the wound on Dr. Percy. She's just like, she starts just like almost rambling. Like where, where is this? water coming from and it and she's just like not even aware that she's crying i thought that was the coolest detail yeah it's talking about being in shock like that is i mean of course she's gonna be like unwell after what just happened 
Right, right. And and I I think it's a, you know, a cool detail where it's like Mary needs to wipe away Bailey's tears while she's working. I know. Like I feel like we've seen, I don't even know, know if it's Grey's Anatomy, but I feel like there's almost a cliche of somebody like wiping the doctor's brow while yes. he's doing surgery, yes, you yes, know. Yes. And so I love this detail of wiping the doctor's tears while she does like, you know, uh, gorilla style surgery. Yes. I uh, at this point uh, the Owen and Teddy have stabilized the patient in the operating room, and that's when Dr. Avery reveals that there is the shooter, and they all have to stay, which is not anything that Teddy or Owen want to hear, and the two of them belligerently decide they will be taking the patient upstairs together. Oh, my God. Well, I don't even want to... I don't want to see yeah. that, but I'm well, sure we will next what? week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, guess boy, what, boy are they going to be dead soon. Yeah. yeah. So cut back to Callie in Arizona, you know, continuing their argument of compatibility. Uh, and I, I honestly, the, the scene stealer of this moment uh, was, I mean, I liked when Arizona was like, you know, uh, something about like not being a good enough lesbian for you yes. or something like that. Uh, but then one of the other doctors, you know, says, oh, you know, excuse me, doctors, you know, <laughs> Ruby's appendix just, pop. she does like a gesture of popped. I thought that was so funny. I know. It's like, that is such choice, but uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Cut back to the supply room where Meredith and Christina are hiding, and Meredith is feeling a uh, you know a wave of nausea that she's been getting on a daily basis. And you know, while they know there's a shooter in the building, Christina's largest concern is not being stuck in the supply room with the vomit smell. Yeah, I would have taken any smell over like safety. That is, like, yeah, uh, you're a doctor. Yeah. You smell things constantly. I know. I mean, but they have to get out of the room somehow, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's when Mary, or that's when Christina spots the shooter outside in the hallway going to Derek's office and recognizes him, of course, as the guy from the elevator. And I love this moment. I love when Yang turns to Yang, when Christina turns to Meredith and says, Meredith, the guy with the gun is looking for Derek. And then Meredith just like, it's just like jump to Meredith grabbing a bucket and vomiting cut to commercial break yeah, i just perfect. thought that was so cool i love dramatic vomiting yeah Ugh. especially time with like the pregnancy i just i it's chef's kiss well it's, done yeah, shonda chef's kiss oh my god i was just talking about that with with justine on the episode we recorded today it was i'm just like having a meta moment with the with the expression chef's kiss and like we need to question why chefs are kissing their fingers when they like something. <laughs> yes. Ugh, I think I did that. I, that? Was, I held my fingers up to my <laughs> I lips. Know. But why the chef's kiss? <laughs> What's the deal with chef's kiss? Yeah. chef's kiss? That can't be sanitary. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, then uh, Mr. Clark, you know, finally encounters Derek mm -hmm. on the catwalk and reveals that he's the widower of a patient that Derek had lost during surgery. And um, meanwhile, we cut back to Lexi, who is is volunteering to get more blood for Alex. And that's not as important this episode as it is what it's setting up for the next episode. Okay, so gotcha. uh, that's why I mentioned that. Meanwhile, she goes off to go get, you know, more blood for a transfusion. And Karev is doing this kind of like Vietnam War movie kind of acting. He's like, oh, hey, Mark, try not to kill me. You know, yes, it's like. <laughs> yes. 
I'm gonna kill that. Guy. I'm gonna beat the shit out of that guy. Whatever. Get out of here. The shit out of that guy. Yes. Oh, it's like, oh my god, I hate like dying on the dying on the field acting. Yeah, all right, you know? Lieutenant Dan, like take it down right. a notch. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, given the fact that you know, I don't know what they think they're gonna do, but Christina and and Meredith leave the supply room and spot Derek at gunpoint across the way on the catwalk. And meanwhile, in that confrontation, Mr. Clark is, you know, his, he's revealing his motives. You know, he's, he's being the man here. He's going to be getting justice for his wife dying. Then we cut back to Bailey, who is obviously still trying to keep Dr. Percy alive. And this is, of course, important for the next episode as well, when Percy tells Bailey to not lie to him if he's dying. Gotcha. And she says, you are not dying. If you were dying, I would tell you. Yeah. And uh, Mary holds Percy's hand. And all of this is a really interesting setup for, I think, the three of them maybe being the most interesting, like, trio of this of of this whole thing. You know, it's like they there's a really interesting kind of connection between Mary, the patient, Bailey, the doctor and Percy, the like injured doctor that Bailey doesn't like. Ooh, I'm excited. Is is this from this episode you're gathering that or like overall after the next episode there's more to come? Is that what you're saying? Overall after the next one. Okay. I just I kind of seeing how it's all going to play out. I I really appreciate how their relationship evolves in this um nice. kind of in this drama. Yeah. So, uh, I think to keep in mind or, you know, keep an eye out for. Sure. Uh, you know, Mr. Clark uh, says someone needs to protect people from people like Derek playing God. And that's when Derek explains to Mr. Clark, trying to appeal to him in a way that we will see April trying to appeal to Mr. Clark yes. in the next episode by trying to kind of appeal to his humanity and to explain how he saw his father get killed for his watch, you know, when he was younger and how he became a doctor not to play God, but to save lives and is really trying to appeal to Dr. to Mr. Clark as as another human being who makes mistakes and saying that, you know, this for you, this might just be a mistake. And, you know, and it seems to be working. And one of the things that I noted was like, in what ways is Derek turning on the same charm that he turned on Meredith, turned on with Meredith all those years ago? I because know. there is a glint in his eye when he's saying all this. Yeah, it's not it's not like smarmy and it's not smug, but it is I think he's just so handsome that it's just like really yeah. doesn't work. F I mean, it does work for him because he really is trying his best here. And it does to think of like what would have happened if April didn't show up. Well, yeah, because he, you know, he gets Mr. Clark to lower the gun and it seems like, OK, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this is not the right solution. And at that point, April comes running out. And says, oh, Dr. Shepard, thank God you're okay. And it, it almost makes it seem like maybe that's – it's not because obviously Mr. Clark knows who he wants to kill already. But it's almost presented as if her saying Dr. Shepard is what cues Mr. Clark of like, oh, no, you need to die. You're Dr. Shepard. Yep, you're Derek Shepard. Yep, yep. You know? Um, and so in a, you know, slow-mo-ish, you know, half-slow-mo sequence – Mr. Clark raises the gun again and shoots Derek in the chest while Christina is dragging a screaming Meredith away across the way. And the lo-fi baby voice is back, and we get kind of a refrain of Meredith's monologue from the beginning of how she loves it at this hospital. Correction, loved it here. Yeah. Cut to credits. 
and Derek bleeding out on the floor of the catwalk. It's intense, y'all. Yeah. Uh, it is. I mean, it, it's nuts. I feel like the the second episode is going to be so much fun because it just it this is really the roller coaster kind of going tick 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 up to the top of the crest and then the second episode is where you go through the whoosh and some loop de loops okay but um but you know the whoosh and the loop de loops are always more fun than the tick 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 that's right you know because you've got you've endured the tick 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 yeah. so just let go and let the loop de loops happen you know oh, well i can't wait i'm i'm in a way i'm kind of glad that i haven't i mean i don't think i could have watched it like back to back but i'm i'm excited to for next week the conclusion yeah it's going to be great so yeah so next week folks you know we're going to be wrapping up our our gray's anatomy discussion with you know part 2 death and all of his friends um the season 6 finale and, you know, there's a couple scenes because we wanted to do – initially I wanted to do the episode at the end of season three when Burke leaves Yang at the altar and then Meredith has to cut her out of the wedding dress at the end. And that scene in of itself when she cuts her out of the wedding dress is so fucking good. Yeah. I mean some of Sandra O's oh best acting. It's so good. But that's really the best of it. And so it's like the rest of the episode just isn't – not as meaty as some of these other ones we've been talking about. Yeah, so fair enough. I think you've chosen yeah. very wisely. Well, thank you. Even the, even if I am torturing you slightly, so. <laughs> it's okay. I could take it. Well, speaking of things that are not torturous, like our BSA of the week, that is our final segment of this episode. Is indeed BSA of the week, in which we queen out on a actress or a performance, a food, a song, a thing, anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress of our lives this week. Uh, what do you got? I've got a nomination, runner-up, if you will. Um, we went, uh, Keon and I went to our neighbor's house on s this past Saturday. Um, they moved in, like, I don't know. I think it was, like, actually during the pandemic. But, like, you know, in the city, you don't really talk to the neighbors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But she also, uh, she goes to the same trainer that Keon and I go to. Her name is Gia. She's great. And uh, she had good energy. She came over to the house, um, and then she, and then eventually, like we exchanged numbers, and and we had like a sort of neighborhood backyard, like just kind of sitting and getting to know one uh, one another. So her husband Jeff, who I I feel Keon didn't agree with me, but I just know that I'm right in this. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he's a very uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan type, a Denny Duquette type, uh -huh. but with long hair like super long hair, like almost like meets like sons of anarchy in a way. Okay. They're both like tatted up. They're super cool. We had great conversation, but the thing that made me LOL was I was, we were, I don't know. We got talking about like actors or people that we admire and you know, like who would you want to uh, meet? Like who would you be really geeked to meet and, or just like have, you know, a lunch with and Gia's answer out of all the people, she didn't even hesitate. She was like, John Goodman. Oh. And I was like, what? And she's like, I'm obsessed with him. And then she pulled out her phone. John Goodman is the background of her phone. Wow. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was just like so uh, floored by that answer, something I did not expect. And she, you know, she like talked about Roseanne and she talked about his like, she's a mega fan, like super fan of John Goodman. Why, did you tell her that he's a queen of the West? I know. That's the thing. We, the conversation shifted and more people started to show up. So I never got the chance to tell her about like our appreciation for John Goodman, but it'll happen. I feel like. 
they were re- super cool. I feel like there's more more hangouts to happen, so I will I will definitely have to sit her down and you know spread the good word of John Goodman. But I love that that was her answer. I, I love loved that, it. and I like not even missing a beat. That's beautiful. That's yeah, and, and and a correct answer. I bet John Goodman would be great to have lunch with. Yeah, um, I I just love that. So. Uh, what about you? Do you have a BSA of the week, a runner-up? What do you got? I've got just – I think I've just got a BSA of the week. I think that's what I've got. I think that's what I've got. And I think you would appreciate this too. This is also a recommendation to you, which is partially okay. why I made it my BSA of the week. So I – you know, I have no idea, you know, the algorithms on YouTube, how, you know, things find me, I find them. But there is a channel. Uh, it's called Brian Rowe, R-O-W-E, Video. And okay. it seems like all of his channel is a lot of, like, Oscar talk. So it'll be like, you know, how Juliette Binoche defeated Lauren Bacall for Best Supporting Actress in 1997. Ooh. Why A League of Their Own wasn't nominated for any Oscars. And, like, he'll really break down, like, why Kate Blanchett won, you know, for The Aviator that year. And, like, why the other ones likely didn't. And he'll look at, like, who won the different awards of different ceremonies and how the movie was received. And, like, really doing a deep dive into like why the Oscars played out the way they they did for certain categories in certain years and it's so entertaining and so like smart and so like I think conversations you would really enjoy as well of just like that you know uh, when you look at the kind of you know the playing field you know the the march madness of the of the golden globes and the sags and the critics choice awards and um, and it's all of that in a very casual digestible sort of way now, where is this? Is this on TikTok? Is this YouTube? This is YouTube. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I feel like there was another podcast that was similar to this, but I don't know what it was. But I love that kind of shit. That's amazing. Yeah, and the videos are like 15 to 20 minutes, and they're like, you know, really. So it's like a fun thing to sit down and eat lunch, too, maybe with John Goodman. Yeah. I don't know. I, oh, my God. But, yeah, so a high recommend. I'll send you I'll send you the Why a League of Their Own wasn't nominated one because that one's really I good. I love that conversation. Can you spell it for myself and our listeners, his name? Yeah, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, and then Roe, R-O-W-E, video. Okay. So Got three it. separate words. But, yeah, really, really great. Um, and, actually, I, you know, I did watch his one, you know, Juliette Binoche defeats Lauren Bacall, 1997 Best Supporting Actress Oscar – because I guess Lauren Bacall was the shoe in to win for The Mirror Has Two Faces. And then Whoa. Juliette Binoche, you know, it's not, and, and it's a really, and I hadn't, I have not seen The English Patient. And I just yeah. saw The Mirror Has Two Faces last night. <gasps> was it good? It's okay. Brenda Vaccaro's in it. Okay. She plays the friend. Actually, Barbara is kind of, there's a charm to her. I'll, I've got to give it to her. Barbara, you know, it's a vanity project in some ways, but Barbara's very charming. I do not know what Lauren Bacall's being nominated for. I, I'm like, BFD, call me when you get Olympia Dukakis in a nightgown, you know? Yeah. Yes. And and the weird thing is that, like, Lauren Bacall is supposed to be playing, like, this Jewish mother, and there is nothing that is reading that way. And I was like, again, just get Olympia Dukakis. Get her in there. Yes. God. Anyway, um, so this is a BSA of the Week and a high recommend for you and our listeners. Oh, I can't wait to dig in that. I will definitely. That's the top of my list. Oh, good. That. Oh, I'll be so happy. Yeah. If if you if if you watch some of those, I'm so excited. I certainly will. Um, my BSA of the week uh, are my parents who celebrated their 40th anniversary just this past Sunday. We had a great day 
it was raining cats and dogs, like super crazy storms the morning we were doing it. And uh, I was doing a vow renewal for them. Um, I wrote up a little script and it was very, we went to a park and they had like this little wedding chapel and there was only like 11 of us. And like, as soon as we got to the wedding chapel in the park, the sun came out. Um, It was the perfect day. We went to a winery for lunch and then we came home and had some cake. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, it's no 17th anniversary wedding vow renewal with your 50 best girlfriends. Okay. But that sounds (laughs) pretty beautiful. Yes, so Deb and Tom, this one's this one's for you. Deb and Tom. Deb and Tom. Oh, Deb and Tom. <laughs> oh, well, this one's for you. Maybe not this violent episode of The Grey's Anatomy, but... Yeah, maybe not. Everything else. Um, well, I think on that note, there may be some lo-fi baby lady voice playing right now that is uh, ushering us out of the emergency room, but not out of the hospital because we're in lockdown. Ugh. Yeah. Triggered. Uh, But until we conclude this uh, dramatic conclusion of season six of Grey's Anatomy next week and our dramatic conclusion of the early days of Grey's, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. How about you? Well, you could find me on All Right Mary. Currently, we're doing a, mostly a lot of stuff on Patreon right now, but there's some free previews on the main feed. But we are covering nice. Canada's Drag Race, Drag Race Down Under, and Drag Race Philippines right now. And uh, you can find me on In the Details, Celebration of Nuance. And you can find me on Instagram at Drucker underscore. And, of course, you can get more of both of us on, on Instagram in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And uh, keep your peepers peeled, especially if you're a Patreon or are considering becoming a Patreon, because, indeed, we are continuing our coverage of Season 1 of Smash exclusively on Patreon this week. We are we are discussing Episode 3, Enter Mr. DiMaggio, this week. Uh, there'll be a little fun free preview, just a few minutes on the main feed. Uh, but otherwise, to hear the whole discussion uh, for this week and the rest of the season... Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Yeah, get over there, folks. This episode, episode three of season one, is a dumpster fire. And But I, I also love that we saw, I mean, I think we have about five new patrons this week. It's really yep. nice to see everyone signing up and enjoying Smash just as much as we are because it is perfect it's something i'll tell it's you something. what it's something it's having on earth uh, <laughs> all right and that as they say <laughs> is that